with you. Uh, we're, we're focusing and, and ramping up to the cause of why we meet together, and that's to thank God and worship Jesus Christ for his great payment for our salvation. Let's look, please, in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew tw chapter 24, we read a lot of these verses, but I'd like to read them beginning in verse 1. Matthew 24. The title of this message is The Last Sermon. The last sermon. This is the Lord's last sermon in chapter 24 and chapter 25. We find uh, 96 verses that Jesus is talking about the tribulation period. And then uh, in chapter 26 of Matthew, we have the Last Supper. And tonight we're going to have the last of the Lord's Supper and focus on the Last Supper tonight. And so this morning is the last sermon. His last full-blown sermon that's recorded for us in the Word of God. Let's read, please, in verse number 1. And the Bible says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, that strikes me humorous right there. You know, the Lord Jesus, Almighty God, gave the, the blueprints for the temple, you know, gave the blueprints uh, for, for the worship and all of that. And they're going to show Jesus. Have you ever wanted to start your prayer out and explain to God what he doesn't know? <laughs> Lord, I just want you to know about this. I'm sure, you know, and you're trying to explain all the details, but he, well, the disciples did the same thing. Verse 2, and Jesus said unto them, see not all these things. Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Which, by the way, that, that very prophecy happened in just a few years from then. 70 A.D., General Titus of the, of the Roman Empire, the Ro Roman army, whenever they came and destroyed the temple, they burnt it, uh, they found that there was gold that, that melted off of as, as they were burning it, and it got into the crevices between, between the stones, into the crevices where the concrete was. And so to make sure and get all the bits of gold from the temple they possibly could, they knocked every stone off of one another in order to get the nuggets of gold. Every single stone. What a coincidence. No, Jesus saw it before it ever happened. And so just as that happened in its entirety and, and in detail, we find that the prophecies that God gives in, its in, in their entireties and in their details shall also be fulfilled. Read on, please, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And of the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end 
the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Look this way, please. Let me make something abundantly clear. This passage is talking about something that is still to happen in the future. This passage is not written to the church age. It's not written to the age of grace. It's not written to you and I in this dispensation, this time period that God is dealing with, with his people. And so if, if, you, if you take something out of context and you try to force it where it doesn't go, then the meaning is not going to be the same. And so we find here in verse 13, uh, a lot of times people use this text, but he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. And they use that to try to prod people that are Christians, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, their sins are forgiven, paid for at Calvary. And they tell them, you have to make sure and toe the line and live a perfect life if you want to go to heaven. My friend, I've already failed today. I already failed today. I'm not going to tell you how, but I already failed today. <laughs> sins of commission, sins of omission, there are sins nonetheless. Things that we commit or things that we should do and we didn't do. We are sinners and our sin, thank God, was judged all future at the cross. He saw them all. Not just the sins that I committed before I was seven years old. I got saved when I was six. He didn't just forgive all those six years of sin. He forgave all my sin. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day during the great tribulation when this statement that Jesus gave is going to be true. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. In other words, they'll have a choice. They'll have a choice to serve the Lord Jesus Christ or to serve Satan in the form of the Antichrist. And they'll have a choice. And if they choose to serve the Antichrist, then their destiny will be sealed by themselves. Now, thankfully, if you're saved, I'm not saying if you've been baptized. I'm not saying if you're a member of this church or any other church. But if you're born again, you and I will not experience that time. We'll be up in heaven. You say, well, preacher, why then do we, do we need to look at this, at this study? Well, I have two ears and I have two eyes. I know the world in which we live today. And I look around and, and there's a lot of folks that are sick, you know. And there's a lot of folks who think they might be sick. A lot of folks that uh, want to uh, keep from getting sick. <laughs> and uh, afraid of other people who are sick and all that kind of thing. And they look at these, these times in which we live and these viruses and all the stuff that's going on, which, by the way, even we as a church are trying to be respectful of. Uh, if you notice, we, we've, for a few weeks, we're going to ed omit our, our fellowship time. We're not going to force people to have an awkward situation of shaking hands and things. I see a lot of people doing this kind of thing when they're walking in. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you, you know, and doing, you know, fist bump and waving and all that kind of junk, you know, uh, and, and that's okay. That's all right. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Uh, this is not our first rodeo, is it? Is this our first flu and cold season? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
But there is coming a day when the pestilences will not be stopped. There's coming a day. And so the Lord is, is telling us this, and I, I, I want to give you some helpful things. Uh, sometimes I preach at you. Sometimes I hammer the Word of God, and I, and I, and I beat on your heart, and I ask God to, to write upon our souls in, in the power of His Spirit, a, a powerful message. This passage is not written to us, but this passage is written for us. And you'll see the difference in just a moment. And I believe that if you'll listen to God, I believe you'll leave here different than when you walked in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask you now that you would move upon our hearts. Lord, I thank you for each and every one that is here. I pray, Lord, you will quiet us. Lord, that we will humble ourselves. And Lord, we'll have a listening ear and an open heart. Lord, forgive me of where I fail you. I depend solely and completely and desperately upon the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I ask you, Lord, to anoint these lips. Lord, touch my brain. And Lord, I pray that you'd bring to memory and Lord, bring to utterance the message that you want delivered to your church, I pray. Thank you, Lord. We give you the glory for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes, you can, you can jot down this title, The Last Sermon. And under that, if you would, jot down this, this reference, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. In that passage, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, the Bible says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Say, so, well, what in the world does that mean, preacher? It means this. First of all, all Scripture is, is given by inspiration of God for doctrine. Doctrine teaches us what is right. What is right. Folks, I'm glad I can hold the Word of God up to you and tell you this is God's truth. This is right. This is not man's ideas, man's opinion, and therefore man ought not get in there and try to mix it up, change it up, blend it up into something more palatable and more relevant to our culture. Shame on us. God is eternal and so is his word. That's a good place to say amen. That's right. Doctrine teaches what is right. And then doctrine, the Bible goes on to say reproof. 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 Scripture teaches us what is not right. What is not right? And uh, folks, we need to know what is right, but also we need to know what's not right. Sometimes we learn, uh, they, they say that experience is the best teacher. It is not the best teacher. It is the hardest teacher. It is experience. We learn things that hopefully we never forget because we learn it painfully ourselves. You do not have to experience everything to learn everything. Okay? And so the Bible says, do this, don't do that, okay? So that's reproof. And then correction teaches what is right, what is not right, teaches how to get right, how to get right, correction, how to correct the path. I love when I'm going to someone's house following GPS directions, I love to make that GPS voice you know, it's saying go this way. Sometimes I go a different way just to cause some problems to it. It says rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And then it says, okay, now turn right at the next street, you know. And uh, if I don't obey, it's, it's turn right at the next street. It's constantly trying to correct my path. You know, God's constantly trying to correct us and bring us back to the right path. The, the scripture does that. 
how to correct, teaches us how to correct. And then teaches us what is right, what is not right, how to get right, and then instruction in righteousness is how to stay right. How to stay right. And um, when you were riding a bike, there are certain things that you, that you learned. Uh, you, you learned about how, going forward. You learned about your brake, you know, back when we had coaster brakes, right? None of, none of this kind of thing. But coaster brakes, and, and you knew how to, how to slow, you knew how to steer and all that kind of thing. But above all, you needed to know how to balance, how to stay up on that bike, how to stay right. So the Word of God Many times we'll find all four of those things applying to our life. Sometimes it's just one or the other, one of those four. But whenever you read any passage in the Word of God, know this, it's inspired by God. It is good for you. If it's not written to you, then it could be one of those four things that God's going to bless you with. So, reading all the Word of God is very valuable and needful for us. So, in this last sermon, uh, I'm going to call your attention to three thoughts and we'll be done. Uh, first of all, when we see this passage here, and he's talking about uh, the tribulation period, uh, jot down these words. They all start with the letter R, okay? Uh, number one, a rapture reminder. This passage is a rapture reminder to me. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, Jesus is about to ascend back to, into heaven. And by the way, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I'd have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will come again, I will come again. Amen. amen. It's a good place for an Amen. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is coming back in the clouds and to take his family out of harm's way before the tribulation period begins. The Bible says in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that he hath not appointed us to wrath. The judgment that God has stored up, his wrath against sin that he has stored up, he's going to pour out that judgment why in the world would he pour out that judgment upon people whose sins have already been judged at Calvary? Okay? We're not appointed to wrath. And he's going to come and get us. Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Jot down that reference. Acts 1, 6 and 7. The apostle said to him, Lord, wilt thou at this time, this is after the resurrection, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Now, I want to say this kindly. I want to say this kindly. Some preachers will say, You know, we don't know the, time, the, the day or the hour and all that kind of thing, but we can sure look at the, at the seasons. Hold on. He said, Jesus said, it's not for us to know the times or the seasons which God has put in his own power. As we look at everything that's happening, as we see what Jesus has described clearly in this passage, and we know that the, that the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation, how much sooner should the should, should the rapture be because it seems like that everything is falling into place so that you just flip the switch and all this 
prophecy of the revelation and the great tribulation would take place. This is a rapture reminder. Uh, hold your place there and turn with me, if you will, to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 1 Thessalonians, uh, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, taught on the rapture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, 18, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain uh, shall be caught together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, what took place after that was the persecution of the church ramped up. They were being thrown in jail. They were being murdered and persecuted, martyred for the cause of Christ. They are being thrown into the arena with, with wild animals and, and just a terrible thing. And, and Nero was, was rising to power and was one world ruler. And, and so whispering started amongst the church. And they said, I think we're in the tribulation period. I think we're in that great time of suffering. And we missed the rapture. Something went wrong. So 2 Thessalonians, the second letter to the church of Thessalonica was written. And uh, look please in verse number 1. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. That the day of Christ is, has happened, it's here. Let no man deceive you by any means, verse 3. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. There's a problem here. The temple of God in Jerusalem is destroyed. We, we find that happening in A.D. 70. We find that Nero, before that was destroyed, we find him never going into the temple there in Jerusalem and proclaiming himself as Jehovah God. He says, these things have to happen. And all this stuff that he said, but it is a reminder, reminder of the rapture. A rapture reminder. Secondly, when I look at Matthew 24, I see in this passage not just a rapture reminder, but a revelation rehearsal. A revelation rehearsal. How many of y'all familiar with wedding rehearsals? You know, I've, I've led a lot of wedding rehearsals. And um, without doubt, every single wedding rehearsal always took longer than the wedding ceremony. It is not uncommon for a wedding rehearsal to last two hours. That is not uncommon. It's excruciating. But it's not uncommon. Uh, I, I try to keep, you know, wedding rehearsals going and, and all that kind of thing. But the, the wedding ceremony might take 20 minutes. But the wedding rehearsal could take two hours. What do you do? Well, you all stand here, stand here. Hey, where's Bobby? Bobby's supposed to be here. Okay, Bobby is going to stand right next to you. When Bobby gets here, you make sure and explain to Bobby where he goes. Okay, and you go through all this and all the. Okay, now, now we move and, 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 and we do this and, that, and then we're going to do that. And then I'm going to say, will thou, and you know, and all that kind of thing. And I do and, and explain all that. Now, let's, let's go in the back and let's all come up and let's go through it. 
and you get done with that, and that's pretty good. Okay, let's do it again. And let's make sure everybody gets real comfortable with it. And you go through it two or three times. It's called rehearsal. Over and over we find in our world in which we live, we see things that, oh, is, is that pestilence? Oh, is that wars and, and we, an earthquake over here and we, and we see all that? No, 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 listen. It's just a revelation rehearsal. You see, Satan himself does not know when the rapture is going to take place. And in every generation, I believe that he has had somebody that he could move in to a position of the Antichrist, somebody that was one, one step away from a world ruler that he had, had, had prepared and ready, and he's seeing all these things happen. He doesn't know. He wants to be ready, and he wants to make sure that all the world is ready. My friend, all of this stuff going on with all these viruses and the coronavirus and all that kind of thing, this is a rehearsal. Let's look at it, please. The Bible, the Bible says in verse, back in Matthew 24, verse number 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. These are just the beginning of sorrows. Okay, if you're jotting some things down under Revelation rehearsal, jot this down, if you will. Destruction. All start with letter D. Destruction. We see there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Uh, during this time, uh, nation will rise against nation, be terrorist attacks. That's what rumors of wars, by the way, is. Terrorist attack. And uh, you, you think that we've got terrorist attacks going on now? Nothing like that's going to be. The magnitude is going to jump. Uh, it's a terrible thing when someone takes a, a, a car bomb and, and drives it into a building. It's a terrible thing when someone takes an automatic weapon into a group of people and, and just mows down people. It's awful. It's horrific. But the weapons known to mankind today exceed all of that. And I'm not trying to scare you today. I'm telling you that there is a restrainer, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 tells us, there's a restrainer that holds Satan back and keeps him at bay. And what he would love to do, he cannot do unless he has a permission slip from Almighty God. But during this tribulation period, he's got a hall pass. He has a hall pass and he can do anything he wants during this tribulation period. It's going to be a fearful and a fearsome time. There'll be destruction. And the Bible says that there'll be disease, pestilence, and famine. Um, Jesus, in this, in this passage here, it's like, have you ever read a book, and you turn to the front of the book, and there's a table of contents? And you can just kind of, you know, peruse over the table of contents in just a few seconds. It takes you hours and hours to read the book. You get the full detail when you read the book. But the chapter headings are in the contents. That's what he's given right here in this passage. He's given a table of contents. You can read about it in Revelation chapter 6 through Revelation chapter 19. And you will find uh, uh, in great detail things explained. And, and don't doubt one bit of it. If there's anything that you can, that you can think of about Revelation is that Jesus didn't tell us everything that's going to happen. If he told us everything, I think it would just freeze everyone in paralysis. 
It's a revelation rehearsal of destruction, of disease, and of disaster. People make millions and, and, and hundreds of millions of dollars on disaster movies. You know why? It's preparing the public for what is really going to take place. Magnitude of earthquakes of seven, eight, you know. Uh, they're talking about earthquakes that will, that will uh, 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 let's see, a seven point something, a 7.0 earthquake. Uh, that there's a dam in uh, California that, that will not survive that. Well, do they, do they know that that's coming? I mean, you know, uh, what are you going to do about it? You know, and all that kind of thing. They're preparing people. Preparing people because whenever the church is raptured out in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the clock starts. Every second, every second is one second off of seven years of time that Satan is preparing and wanting to make one last stand against Jesus Christ. Well, preacher, why is it that Satan would do that because he knows he's not going to win? He knows the Bible. He does not believe the Bible. He believes that he knows better. Isn't that a human trait? We know what God says. We know what the Bible says, but we know better. It doesn't apply to us. I can change whatever, and it'll be okay. That's Satan's mindset. And so he's, he's out for This is his last chance. He knows that. It's his last chance, and he's going to turn this whole world upside down, which, by the way, that's why the United States of America has to become part of this world global thing. That's why there are people that are knowingly or unwittingly part of that plan to try to bring America and Israel and every other country into a, a world cohesiveness because that's the last step. We're, 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 we're the, the world's superpower. And we're going to have to kind of be all under this United Nations type of thing. And if it happens in our lifetime or if it happens before the rapture, uh, I don't know. But it will happen after we're gone. Somehow, some way, we will not be a stumbling block. Uh, we will not be a problem for Satan. I say we. I mean as a nation. I'll be gone. Hope you're gone too. Amen. A rapture reminder, a revelation rehearsal. And then, number three and last, on the last sermon of Jesus, when we read this passage, we should realize this is a requirement for revival, a required revival. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. The church of Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ, New Testament Bible-preaching churches across our country and around the world is filled with people that are nodding off spiritually. Say, preacher, I haven't slept. I mean, I've really worked at it. It's warm in here. Uh, the, the message is long, you know, and you're a little bit boring and stuff. I'm not really plugged in, but, but I have not fallen asleep, preacher. But spiritually, we might be asleep. Spiritually, we might be just coasting, just being pushed along by the crowd. Lord, I done good today. I went to church. I know heaven is smiling upon me today. And, and God loves you. I'm sorry, I'm making fun of somebody. He does love you. God does love you. 
but he also wants us to serve him. He does want us to fellowship with him. And, and by the way, you need to hear God speak to your heart, not just at church, but every day, in every way, in every place, driving along with your eyes wide open. On, on the, you, can, you can commune with the Lord Jesus Christ right there with your heart. You can pray without speaking, but you should, you should also pray speaking. Why, why should we have a time of prayer where we talk to God? Because this, whenever we talk, we have to focus our thoughts into words. Some people even write out their prayers. Oh, preacher, that's so formal and that's so uh, stale and all that kind of thing. Try it sometime. Try it sometime. Sit down and, and write out a prayer. Might be just, you know, seven or eight or ten sentences. Write out a prayer and then pray it to the Lord. There's something about focusing your heart and your mind and, and, and your mouth and, and every part of your being. There's something about that in praying to God that honors Him. It's more than just a, a quick thought prayer. Now, I thank God for thought prayers, you know. That guy's going to hit me. Lord! I don't even say that, that that's what's in my heart. It's a thought prayer. And he hears those prayers. He knows those things. But we need to commune with him. How's your prayer life? Does that need revival? How's your prayer life? How's your, how's your life of reading the Word of God? If I asked you to turn to Ecclesiastes, would you even know where to start looking? It's in the Old Testament. How's your Bible reading? Do you spend time listening to the Word of God? You know, folks, we, a lot of us carry these things right here. And uh, uh, there's a lot of evil and a lot of bad that can happen on this, a lot of gossip that can happen on this. God forgive us, Christians, for gossiping. It used to be, it used to be on the phone line. Now you can do it anywhere. And you can do it with pictures. And uh, 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 folks, don't, don't falsely accuse somebody. Don't, don't, don't talk about things that you don't have any facts on. Uh, leave, leave, leave Facebook, you know, to uh, something about grandkids. And, and uh, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm straying now. <laughs> but you know, you can, use, you can use this to have the Bible on it. There's plenty of apps. I've got three of them on my phone right now. I've got one of those apps that it will, it will actually say the words of the Bible aloud to you. As, it, as it's going along, it'll say it. So it'll pronounce those big, long names in the Old Testament. It pronounces them for you. Somebody studied and studied and studied to know how to pronounce those words. Isn't that cool? Let the Word of God wash over you. But now ye are clean through the Word which I have spoken unto you, the Bible says. By the way... Don't get away from the old-fashioned book. Don't get away from the Bible. If you depend completely on this for your walk with God, what happens if you lose electricity? Where is my Bible? Where did it go? There's something about knowing that even, even though you might not be able to pull the reference, 
It's Matthew, uh, what was that? Pastor preached on that. Matthew is a 20s. And it's right down here on the bottom of the page. I remember I wrote a little something. As you are flipping to find that, to share with somebody, you know where it is on the page. You know what did you highlight it in yellow. You underlined, put a star beside it. You wrote some scripture references in the margin. And, and, and you can turn two or three pages and guess what? You're there. It's a great tool. God's given it to us. Let other things enhance that. How's your Bible reading? Does it need revival? How's your witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? Does that need reviving? Are you sharing with others the good news? Because guess what? What's coming is bad news. That's what's coming. And you want to talk coronavirus? This world has no idea the pestilences. Let me explain to you this way. People are concerned about, and every soul is precious. Every soul is precious. For, uh, for, for uh, folks that, that, that die in China, it's a terrible, awful thought because many of them might not have known Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they drew their last breath here, and they took their next moment in the devil's hell. My friend, there's no escape. But what the Bible tells us is that in one fell swoop, in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 15, it says that one-third of the population is going to die. That Satan has been empowered and the, and the, and the angels under him. By the way, uh, it'll be a, there's some more Ds I didn't include, but it's going to be demonic activity uh, during this tribulation period like, like this world has never seen. Never seen. Only disaster movies and superhero movies could even come close to the type of demonic activity that's going on. And by the way, people are prepared for it, and the, and the theaters have been preaching on it, that, that, and, and, and TV shows are just, just uh, inundating us with it, that our generation, this generation, Pastor Tim's generation, these teenagers' generation, are going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, evil spirits and Lucifer. There's a whole TV show. I've never seen it. There's a whole TV show called Lucifer. And they're going to embrace it. What was it that uh, Kiss said? Uh, I think it was Gene Simmons, uh, uh, rock, rock group of yesteryear. He said, I, I believe in Jesus and I believe in Satan. And I believe that you can get things done through either one. So folks, listen please. The bad news is coming. Why not go and, and, and hit the track rack? Why not take some of these, these door hangers? with you. I want to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ to point people to Him. How's your witness? Does it need revival? When we read a passage like this, it's not written to us. We're saved to the uttermost, and I know that I am. We're saved and heaven-bound. We're in the family of God. We've been adopted. I could just go on and on and on. The Bible says that we shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We are safe and secure. We will never perish. So for you to say, well, I just am afraid it might say the wrong thing. I might be more of a hindrance than a help, so I'll just keep silent. That is Satan giving you an excuse to try to shut you up. How's your witness? Does it need revival? 
How's your prayer life? How's your Bible reading? I just named three. I'm not talking about sin in our life. I'm not talking about adultery. I'm not talking about pornography. I'm not talking about fornication, stealing, dishonesty. I'm not talking about all these other things I could, I could preach on. Drunkenness, carousing. How are just these three things as a, as a Christian? I believe that in churches across our country, that there ought to be, it, it, it would put a smile on Jesus' face if there were Christians that said, I need revival, Lord, and revival is going to come only from you. Doesn't come from a preacher, doesn't come from a program. But Lord, I need you to revive my heart. I'm going to focus on one of those things that you mentioned, or all three of those things the preacher mentioned. But I need revival. Souls are crying. Men are dying. Won't you lead them to the Lord? You can't save them. I can't save them. But if we can lead them, lead them to him, he will do it. Now, if you're not saved here today, then all this that the Word of God that Jesus said was going to happen, this is written to you. It's written for you, but it is written to you because you are not in God's family, and if the rapture takes place in the next 10 minutes and you did not receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then you're going to be left here and you're going to go through this tribulation period. Oh, preacher, I'll get saved. That Left Behind movie said that I can get saved. God didn't say that in the Word of God. I don't care what a movie teaches. You'll believe the lie, and the Holy Spirit that draws will be removed. And unless the Father draw them, they will not be saved. That's what Jesus said. So today is the day of salvation. And today is the day of revival. Preacher, is it in a revival meeting? It should be. It's a meeting between you and God. Heavenly Father, in a moment, I'm going to ask people to stand. And when I do, I'm going to ask them to obey your voice. There are people here who need to get busy about serving you. They're, they've been saved and they've not been baptized. Lord, may they say, I, I, I'm quitting playing around. I'm going to follow you in believer's baptism, obedient to you. There are people who have been saved and baptized, been attending this church for a long time. And they need to settle this as their home base of operations, their headquarters, and get busy serving you. Lord, there are people that have been members of this church for years and we need revival. I pray that we would come and say, God, please revive my heart. Revive my Bible reading. Revive, revive my prayer life. Revive my witness. Bad news is coming. Good news is here. Help us to prepare. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. If you do not know Jesus in the forgiveness of sin, if you're not saved... Would you pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart and life and to forgive your sins right now? Would you do that right now? Would you, by faith, reach out to an all-hearing God who said, He that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Will you pray and ask Him to forgive your sins and save your soul, change your life inside? He'll do that. He'll do that. Would you let me point you to Jesus and help you? 
with no one looking around, our heads bowed, our eyes are closed, would you pray this prayer where you sit, but mean it from your heart? Pray something like this, would you? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead, like the Bible says. I cannot get